one's life. It was too much life in one moment. Going away from your own environment and coming back to it even serves its own purpose. Sometimes you're not ready for something. You think you are, but you're not ready for it. It's much tougher than you are. Hello, hello, aloha, namaste. Welcome to Vicarious Diaries. I'm Jeffasaurus Rex, your host. This travel podcast is all about journeys abroad and journeys within. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking to my friend Mary Marino Pulu, an artist from Greece and a lover of film. Mary once asked me, do you know when the best time to watch a movie is? First thing in the morning. (laughs) I think that spells passion all over it. In 2015, Mary discovered a program called EVS, European Volunteer Service Program, and decided to move to Slovenia and volunteer to create art. Since then, she has worked in NGOs, curated exhibitions, and directed short films. I'll leave a link in the description of one of my favorite films of hers from Slovenia. During Life Abroad, Mary's favorite part was connecting with other humans. And in today's episode, Mary's backpack is full of authentic Greek storytelling as well as philosophical travel. We explore how time and place affect our identities, as well as natural surroundings like rivers, mountains, and lakes. And of course, we learn about some less traveled countries like Slovenia and Lithuania. Fun fact for the day, Slovenia is the only country with the word love in it. And it's also one of the greenest countries in Europe. So grab your passport, get a window seat, and let's prepare for takeoff. Maybe we can start then. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Mrs. Maria. Marino Pulu. Did I say that right? Yeah, it's right. And where, where were you born? I was born, I was born in Greece. I was born in Athens, uh, 89. <laughs> 89 that was. Yeah, and I've lived there for, uh, until I was uh, 18 years old. So that's plenty of time. Wow. So you, you can answer all my Greece questions. True that. A true native of Greece. Okay. <laughs> and what does the Pulu at the end of your last name represent okay so uh in greece uh we have this thing with the surname so every or every ending of a surname says from which part of the country you are from so pulu is from the people coming from the peloponnese so this is like the northern uh, part of greece and uh, this is where my ancestors are coming from so and since I inherit the, the surname then, so it just goes from generation to generation. I was I was not raised in Peloponnese, but still I am related to that place. So actually, you can figure out from 
where somebody is just by the other surname, I guess. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Like your last name is a map. Yeah, it is. It's true. Yeah. Which is actually really cool because my grandpa, who I never met, is from Ukraine. His family's from Ukraine. And he had to change his last name, I guess, when he came over to Canada. And we have, like, no information on his family. But, yeah, if we were to, you know, have something like that, that gives you a little bit of a stepping stone to dig into some information. So uh, It was the same for Greeks uh, when they were in uh, living in Turkey. And it was the war that broke in between the Turks and the, and the Greeks. Uh, everybody was coming as a, as a refugee from Turkey to Greece. And they all had the ending, Oglu. Oglu. So sometimes like you can see a filmmaker like from Turkey and have Oglu. But then the people who were coming in Greece, because nobody liked them, because they were like Turkish or whatever, they had to change the surnames. So then it was really impossible to know who is from where. And this is crazy because you want to find your roots, yeah, and with all this madness of like people going out of their countries for a war or something, you can really never know where you were. <laughs> that's why it's so important nowadays to, which is great with like social media, it is great because there is a history of your life. I always find it funny like when when people have babies and like of course it's great like put your baby pictures up your videos like you can watch especially for people who don't live near you and you can see that their kid growing up and stuff but it's just so funny because by the time that kid like gets Facebook themselves like their entire lifeline is like on Facebook or whatever. <laughs> like, I just find that so funny. And like, like I said, I agree. I'm like, that's cool to share. But I was gonna say, it's, it's so important to somehow capture your own life in some sort of memoir way as you grow older so that you don't forget the memories and you can pass those on to future generations. Because it's difficult, like I said, to get information from my grandpa, my ancestry, but just like that book I was reading, Animal Farm, how like they they screw with their memory and, and the historical events. So you never know what's going to happen in the future. The thing with the memoir is that it just keeps changing forms. So like some years ago, it was this, this genealogic tree that you could go and search like in the archives of your municipality and you could know like who uh, registered in this municipality and when. But the thing with the form of the memoir is like, either it's something that lasts, either it's something tangible or it's something like that is virtual. And when it's virtual, it's easy to be shared. But when it's shared so much, as you say, like in an instance, for, for instance, like in the, in the case of a child, you know, that is being born and then that he can retrace his life just by scrolling down like his father's Facebook page is that, then I don't know how much access you have this information and like all this big access to information and who can access this information. I don't know. It can be dangerous also. I mean, it's fun and I'm, I'm sure it's meant from the worst purposes for the people who actually upload this information, but I don't know what can happen in real life. I mean, I think in 20, 30 years from now, we will see it happening. Yeah, it's so true. Like I, I don't want to say like a job opportunity or something where like the employer is like, oh, like their entire, like literally their entire life is on Facebook, right? But yeah, yeah, dangerous in so many ways. But that's, yeah, it's interesting. So 
I wanted to ask you what, what does being Greek mean to you? What do you love about your culture and what does that mean to you? Uh, so I think I should start from saying that when did I realize what Greek, being Greek means to me? Because when you're living in a place that you're born and then you think that every trait you have, everything you have, every every like behavior or every every aspect of your life is just part of your identity, which is not so true. Uh, but once I realized after living some years abroad is that, uh, well, because some things stay the same. So the ones that stay the same, I consider them to be part of my identity for sure now. So I believe that my identity is, uh, well, very close to most of Greeks, I guess, that we are uh, open-hearted people. <laughs> I mean, the Mediterranean, the sea brings people closer, I guess, or the good weather or whatever that is. Uh, so yeah, I am a person who is like always open to meet new people and uh, I am a kind-hearted person, so I don't really act against somebody else yeah generous people and uh well we are foolish for sure and stubborn that's for sure also but uh we are kind and maybe we are naive actually this need to believe in others to believe in something bigger than ourselves that we can just buy a whole family and somebody's going to go with it because our feelings would get hurt otherwise so yeah it's kind of like sentimental mostly yeah, I've met some some Greek people in my life and definitely like instantly know that they're Greece or from Greece and with with like the open heart like you said, like very very genuine, genuine people who I like I really like what you wrote. You said you're inspired by people who want to get to know you and who genuinely want to know your story and ask questions and i don't know if i like i mean i again i can't generalize but i met a lot of greek people who like to talk and they like to tell stories and share stories and and make you feel at at home i've only had a few like greek experiences but definitely very hospitable and I'm trying to compare this with maybe a different country, like you're living in Lithuania right now, which maybe you want to give me the opposite of that. Maybe <laughs> I don't want to mark. I, I don't want to mark Lithuania with. No, 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 no. You're not. You're not marking Lithuania no, for sure. Well, uh, well, okay. So Lithuania for people who don't know, because it's a small place, and yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, there's a lot of people who are like Lithuania. Okay, so where exactly are you? And I'm like, okay, so I'm like south of uh, Sweden and uh, east of uh, Poland and, uh, you know, north of Belarus and they kind of like navigate themselves. So we are here uh, and I am in Vilnius, so I am again in the capital. So I think that it's important that I can like, you know, have this connection between two capitals. I mean, even if this now one, I don't know, one fifth of, uh, of Athens, because it's like 500 people and Athens is like uh, 5 million almost. So, I mean, you can see that there's a big difference. So in the amount of people living here uh, and uh, yeah well the difference so Lithuania is a very very recent nation 
And uh, if you know their history, it's, they just celebrated 100 years of independence and that they also, uh, uh, they were the first ones to break out of the Soviet Union in 1991. So you realize that what makes this thing is that people don't have an identity. So we are in times where Lithuania is trying to do some nation building. Uh, they they have this their flags like all over the place, which is like crazy because like you can see like um, on the streets they have like some trees and stuff, and they have planted like green, yellow, and red. You know, just because it's made out of the of the colors of the Lithuanian flag. You know, but, uh, aside from the language, they don't have something that they can call their own, uh, which makes people be very hesitant towards foreigners, which makes foreigners be very hesitant on coming here because they it's not it's not nationalism that they face but still it's like being left out so there is no black community there is no japanese or chinese community there is only 99 percent of cohesion people which is uh, kind of yeah making it a homogeneity i guess and uh, people are quite educated uh, people speak english most of the times uh, but people are hesitant people are reluctant People are closed, people are suspicious even when you approach them. And uh, I can say for sure that it's been like, I've been living here for like seven, eight months straight and uh, I am in a community, in the art academy, and uh, I've been in different communities, uh, in different universities or like cultural scene and whatever. And you would guess that since I'm in the cultural scene, it would be easier for me like to, to make uh, new relationships. But I can tell you that I have made no a relationship that I can call important until this day. And um, this is actually one thing that, like, one aspect of my life that suffers mostly is that uh, the non-ability to, inability to just stick with people and form a relationship. And, and, and also there is no form of community here. So you don't see protests, you don't see demonstrations, you don't see like open courses or I don't, I don't know, like you don't see a lot of people gathered out. I mean, I understand that it's due to the weather because the weather doesn't help for this kind of stuff. But still like now, if you go out, it's kind of better. Like you just see tourists, you don't see Lithuanians. And I asked them why this thing is happening. And you know, the response was really a, a funny one, I guess, for me, but maybe not so funny for them. They say that it reminded them of the Soviet times. So they don't want to be all together like they thought it because it reminded them of like these harmful times for them. So it's a, it's a decision. I don't know how uh, consciously or subconsciously they make these decisions, but it's their decision to, to stick to individuality, you know. That's a really good answer. Great answer. And. <laughs> I'm always curious as to like why nobody either a talks about Lithuania or knows about Lithuania. Like you said, you have to explain to people where you're living, right? And that's why that that intrigues me to want to go to those countries because you know everyone goes to all the oh the popular ones and ones that are on the internet all the time and. I was looking at some countries in Africa that like I've never even heard of. And that's just fascinates me to, it's like going to another planet almost. Oh, they have humans here too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but exactly. But that was the reason why I came here. Actually, I chose to come here, to study here and because I want to develop like my thesis on building an identity. 
So I knew that coming to, a, like going to London or going to Paris, yeah, okay, whatever, I'm going to find multiculturalism, I'm going to find everything I want, I'm going to find nice people, Greeks or whatever, whoever they are, and I'm just going to be there. But the thing is that I need something like a tough environment, you know, an environment that makes you see like, okay, what it is to form an identity. That is so interesting. Yeah, I know you love psychology and I love learning about psychology too. And that's so interesting because like if you live in a country that is very patriotic and you understand your your typical cultural identity, then when you leave that place, especially if it's for the first time and you spend a good chunk of time especially in a place like Lithuania, where people are a little unsure of who they are, if that's what you were getting at. And then you really start to understand who you are, because you have no external uh, stimulus, making decisions for you or putting, you know, it's really testing you and seeing and that's what traveling did for me too. Like, it just, yeah. I really got going to so many different cultures. And you just, because as a Canadian too, like I always felt like we didn't really have a culture, like, cause we're just a country mostly f full of immigrants. And I mean, we have a lot of Aboriginal people mostly in the North, but you know, my, my dad's from England. Like a lot of my friends' parents are like British ancestry. And like, you know, once I actually went and start traveling, it's like, I'm not identifying maybe I can identify with certain countries with their culture. And I really like these people. Like that's the reason why I went to Poland is because like, I knew like about 10 pe Polish people in my town who I just loved who they were as per people, like, and how they acted towards other people and compared to like my other Canadian friends. So that made me want to go to Poland and soak in that culture more. So Good talks. Can you hear me? But uh, I, I don't know. I'm not Canadian, but I, I can. I of course I can. I'm just saying. I'm just. Well, I was just thinking what you said about Canadian being like comprised of immigrants, so you don't really know the identity. But for me, I I know who who is Canadian or not, and I can tell not from the facial characteristics or something, but behavior. You know, like there is even a guy here who's uh, in this uh, university, and I didn't know. I never spoke to him, so it doesn't have to do with his level of English or with his like, I don't know, pronunciation or whatever. And I just saw him and the way he acted. And I was like, damn, he's Canadian for sure. And then I asked, it's like, yeah, he's Canadian. I'm like, I know it. I knew it because you're good people. You're good people. I don't know how else to say that like, you're generally good people. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very cool. And I'd like to think that, you know, everyone deep down in the world wants to be good people for sure. And that's a huge other topic, but yeah it's yeah. you're you're a product of your environment for sure and 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 you talked about community i like when you talked about community because i'm starting to get more into that like learning what is my community offering that i'm not that i'm taking for granted or i'm unaware of and how do i bring more to my community too i had this really interesting idea that you know we have a gardening season in canada and i'd love to start doing a garden this summer and i thought like you know 
there's 250 there's 200,000 people who live in my town if if like you know uh, like just hypothetically if everyone had a garden I know some people live in like apartment buildings but hypothetically if everyone had a garden you know and don't have to put too much work into your garden then you could like trade your vegetables and and stuff instead of like going to the grocery store and like spending all your money on groceries and it's just a sense of community that you know really bring you closer that people so aren't people aren't maybe aren't as cold like you said in places like Lithu Lithuania careful <laughs> I do want to go to Lithuania. But uh, you don't have the uh, yeah. Uh, you will come. You will come. But like you don't have community gardens in uh, in Canada. Yeah, we do. We we have a couple community gardens in my town, which are nice. And to be honest, I'm not even sure how they work. I guess like if you want space to grow food or learn about it, then they have those opportunities. But just from looking in other people's backyards, like I rarely see people who have a garden and. I think it's just lack of knowledge and want and energy to want to do that. It's so much more convenient to just drive to the store and buy as much vegetables as you want. But you know, you're going to get energetically and energetically eating that food. You're going to feel better. And be knowing that you also grew it, it's, you know, and then if you can share it with your community too, like trading fruit, like, oh, I have a, too many tomatoes. Like who doesn't have tomatoes? Who wants to trade? And Yeah, of course. But for me, it's, as you said, like the, the, the key word is convenience, you know, that it, everything we expect to be our convenience and we consider this to be the best solution. But it's not like this. I was, I was thinking like, you know, like Mary, come on, we have grown into this society where we no longer need to like think of like oh i need to hunt in order to need to to i don't know to cook this thing in order to eat it in order to have energy so like we have like minimized every every little thing like uh, washing our clothes to i don't know having automatic washing whatever stuff and that so as we have more time for ourselves right i mean this was the concept to facilitate ourselves and to be able to do things that uh, require time but damn i see people doing silly things still you know even if everything is automatic and i'm like okay then we just seek for any convenience actually not the convenience that will lead us to having more free time but convenience above convenience like and that's our thing we don't realize the necessity of creating something of our own or building this community or doing this trade. I mean, when the community start doing this in a, in a smaller scale, this is how you realize like a whole country could function, you know, like if we cannot function like this, that we depend on each other, that like we trade, that we have, uh, we share like in a small community, how do we expect this thing to happen on a universal level? Like it's failing already. It's so, it's so true what you said it's all automatic there's a song by one of my favorite artists his name's matthew goodband or matthew good is his name and he has a song called everything is automatic and it's almost like because everything is so convenient we're almost like becoming robots and you know it's funny if you think about every single day the amount of transport trucks or ships or planes that are just energetically moving every single day all over the world, transporting goods. And 
you just drive to the store and you're like, oh, and you buy $200 worth of groceries and like, it's just, it's so quick and it's like, it's not even real. And then before you know it, like, this is another topic, but yeah, if like the grocery stores have an issue and you can no longer get food at the grocery stores, like then there's panic because yeah, we're, we're depending too much on other people and machinery and not thinking for ourselves and not being creative anymore and not connecting as humans like like the past so good talk <laughs> <laughs> so when when you were growing up what got you into traveling like did you do go on any did you travel as a kid or did you get jumped into a big trip initially where did traveling start for you okay so uh story time the favorite of greeks <laughs> uh so my family we were a family of four and my mom and dad they had like this regular job and uh nine to five working for government and stuff so it was just like the middle class family of greece at the time and the thing is that they've my mom and dad they've never traveled abroad until the time like they had to whatever and they never really bothered i mean my father he likes to like um explore things in the nature for sure but he never like had it so big as to like go for a trip abroad i mean not speaking english was, was also a, a drawback so they were kind of like oh yeah i'm not so comfortable going to another country without me speaking the language so i grew up grew up in a family where traveling was just to the summer house uh, that we were renting for the summer and uh, this was just it for like 18 years straight and uh the thing is that when i was like 14 15 i realized so i was studying english in this english teaching school and i remember that i see a leaflet and it was like on the floor actually and i just pick it up and it was saying about greek schools in london and I was like, damn, what is that thing, you know? And it's like, suppose like, it's for Greek people who just, I don't know, families who need to go to London, but still need their children to have the Greek education or whatever. So they have saved the school in London. And I remember seeing it. I didn't know like what it costed or whatever that was. And I remember going back to my mom and dad with this leaflet because, you know, internet was not so, so, so big as, as a thing, you know, like a research tool as it is today. And I remember going to my mom and dad with this leaflet and I was like, 14 going to 15 so I would go for my first year in high school and I was like okay mom dad I found this and this thing exists and I just need to go away and uh, I would like you to give me money to go to the school for three years I will come back uh, summertime so it's going to be fun <laughs> I remember like I remember mom's dad face they were sitting on the balcony and they were like what is this thing where did this come from and I was like I, I don't know I just want to go I just want to leave I don't know I just I just feel like it so I couldn't express myself then. Mom and dad, of course, said no, because they're like, we, don't, we can't even afford it and we've never been abroad. So how come you go abroad if we haven't done it? So this is also a perception, you know, like for parents, if they have not reached one specific level in something, they believe that it's like rather dangerous if their child approaches that. But of course, the nature of a family, you know, in the next generation is to proceed to something that the older generation never have succeeded in and uh, or pursued. And... Uh, so I remember I was 17 and a half and I finished high school and I got a summer job because I failed my university exams, actually. So I was considered one of the worst students. I almost failed high school. Here I am doing a master 
you know, so whatever education those, I don't know. And I remember working my ass for like six months and I my first trip to London. And uh, I remember telling my friends, dude, like I want to I wanna go to London, I'm, I'm gathering money. Nobody saved up any, any money at all. And then I realized that I had like 1,000 euros, you know, and I was like, uh, it was the richest I've ever been. And uh, I was like, yeah, I don't care, I'm going to go to London. So I remember uh, it was, I had nobody, none of my friends could join. And I was like, mom, do you want to come? And she's like, really? We're going to go like to another country? And I was like, yeah, let's go. And she's like, but how will we know? And I said, come on, I researched, researched everything, you know. So I remember we went there and uh, she was like, in the beginning, she was so afraid, like everything and course then she got used to it and all that stuff so it started when I was 18 so it's like 10 years ago and uh yeah it started with me going to London and still I've not left Europe which I consider one of my biggest mistakes but I will do so I will do so in summertime <laughs> and uh but yeah that's my, my story inspired me well in the beginning I couldn't explain I couldn't understand I couldn't see but now with uh a more mature mind, I can definitely tell you it's exactly what you said before, that our 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 identity is constructive. So if you believe in the fact that you're not just, I don't know, like your mother's child or whatever, and you're much more than that, I mean, of course there's genes, of course there's DNA, but it's plus time and place. So for me, this approach is really important because you cannot change the times in which you're born. So you have a time span of like 70 years and you can just choose where to waste this time. So we have the choice of place. The thing is with place that I was, I was reading this book, I'm too much into philosophy and I told you my thesis is actually about constructing identities. So my thesis now is about how to understand what parts of yourself are really you and if they're coming from your uh, from your environment and I was reading about the fact that first we form the impressions and then we form the ideas of something so we're saying for example like your idea of an apple so it's really simple your idea of an apple right it comes from complex impressions so it is for instance the smell of an apple then biting the, the apple so like it's the taste and everything and then the touch of the apple so you have like or the sound of uh, of uh, of an apple being bitten. So you have like these four elements, these four impressions that actually form what an apple is to you. So you wouldn't be knowing what an apple is if you didn't have this impression. So the thing is, the more you expose yourself into some specific impressions. So for example, if you live in a, in a war society, you know, let's say like you're from Syria and you're growing old, of course, and you're growing there, and then you go in another environment, then every sound, maybe, maybe it's like, I don't know, like fireworks, you know, and then you think it's a bomb. Because this is what you heard. And your impression of a firework was like the idea of a bomb. So, I mean, this is a totally extreme example, but I'm putting it out there so as you can understand what I, what I mean by this. So if, you're, if you expose yourself to love, if you expose yourself to community, if you expose yourself to sharing, then you shape all these ideas of love and sharing and community inside you. And you convey those ideas. So this is why I think it's very important that we understand that uh, uh, how crucial it is to choose where we stand in this world. And when I say to choose where we stand, I don't mean I didn't use the word travel, because for me, when you just travel, when you're just for a few days somewhere, I mean, for sure it can be a kind of a cultural shock, like some aspects can be really like, okay, what the fuck's happening? But then you have all these defense mechanisms and you have all this rationality and all your, your behavior and all your like set up mind of, of, for things that it won't change so easily. 
because also it's not it doesn't just have to do with the time you spend in one place but also if you're a part of it or not let's say for instance that like uh you are traveling for like seven months and you're gonna go and live in a town but let's say that uh, you're uh, i don't know uh, 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 making websites so you just work from your computer and you live off the grid so you're just there you're alone you make your computer your websites you get paid i don't know like online or whatever you're not an integral part of the community so the ideas of this community are not coming to you so it doesn't have to do with how long you stay i think it's um it's a it's a complex idea it's how long you stay to, to place and how much dependent you are on this place and how much this place is dependent on you so this is what you give back to this community so not only what you take from them but also what you can give back so all these things i i believe i strongly believe until this day and i'm researching and it and it proves you know that i'm not crazy that it's out there somebody else thought it about it but i just didn't know that place and time they, they save us. We are our place and our time. Great story. The Greek storytellers. I love that. <laughs> there were so many points there. And yeah, like I just heard this term, a spiritual home. So like I was talking about Poland, I was like, I kind of want to go there and like see if I'm gelling with the people more than maybe I'm gelling with people in Canada, even though Canada's people are great. And there's so many people to meet here, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting to put yourself in other environments and really immerse yourself in those environments. It's difficult if you're not, if you're just passing through and that's what most people traveling do. Like they get the Eurail pass, they see 35 countries and that's great. You, you have so many experiences, but the true travel is if you can stay in one place that's completely different than your own. And I heard someone say that once you can learn another language that's foreign to you, but it becomes so native that you're having full conversations with somebody else in that language, just like we are right now, and you're doing English, then you really start to almost lose that old identity. And you really get to test the boundaries, I guess. So Yeah, but they say that like we have a pers every personality for every language we speak, and I and I do believe that this is true because I express myself differently, and it's not just about the language itself and like the possibilities of this language. It's how a language is used. So I in French, I speak some French also, and I understand. Like I I just talk differently. It doesn't have to do just because it's more simple vocabulary. It's still different. I'm a different person for sure. And yeah, I mean, of course, I'm not saying here that like, oh, yeah, you should never travel unless you do have the time and you can have the energy. No, of course, it serves different purposes. And of course, even going away from your own environment and coming back to it even serves its own purpose. I mean, it, like what you did, you know, like you went for, for four months, you were not in one specific culture, you were not in one specific place. But still, like going back home, carrying all these things with you makes you reevaluate your place and time, which is Canada. I am a different person when I speak a different language. What? That's so interesting. That's so. That's fascinating. It's. It's. And I. I don't speak another language. So hopefully someday I will, and, be able to experience that. It's like learning a, mastering an instrument or something. But yeah. What can you describe like the time, like? 
What do you mean by time? When like time, okay, so okay, time <laughs> as I was reading again these days, time is not a perception on its own. So we define time depending on the occurrence of events. So imagine that like in order for you to tell me, okay, so today I yeah, I just woke up and had breakfast and then I Skyped with you. Yeah, okay, so you have breakfast and after that you have Skype. So these things take an amount a specific amount of time, which you call duration. But then the duration also cannot be like, uh, if you don't have different events, you cannot understand the duration of something. If you just tell me, like, I slept, I don't know, maybe you took a nap. I mean, okay, maybe you distinguish and you say I took a nap. But like, you slept, you could sleep, I don't know, for how, how many hours. But the thing is that I do understand you only when you say something that has to do with the occurrence of events. Which means, again, that the place you're in, and it's, it gives you a specific amount of events that you can go on, then makes you understand time differently. Like, for instance, I'm here, it's quite north, and um, I don't know, like, it was in the wintertime, it was, like, the worst. I think it was the sun started, uh, uh, um, the sunrise was 8.30 or something, and then the sunset was, like, 3-something. And this I've never seen in my life. So it was kind of, like, for me, like, it totally changed the perception of time, because aside from clocks that we are now, we have clocks and we have schedules and everything, I mean, we are animals, you know, at the end of the day, we're animals, and then we just see when it's coming to, to be dark, we, we want to, to go back to our cage, you know, to be secure, to, to do whatever, or like the seasons, the seasons tell us the time, you know, it's the reoccurrence of seasons that make you understand the time. So for me, because like winter is so long here, uh, because it was until like last week, it was zero degrees, which for me was crazy. Uh, if you ask me, so it was Easter, you know, like one week ago here was Easter and they were speaking about Easter and I was like, yeah, so what are we going to do for Christmas? <laughs> but I, it, it was not a slip of a tongue. It was because my mind has connected Christmas with cold weather. So now because it was cold, I still thought that we have Christmas. So if you ask me, I live in this bubble now. I mean, I guess that if, I don't know, other people go back to back to my country, they would live in the bubble of Greece. But for me, I live in this bubble. It's like a jelly, you know. It's like an expanded winter time that is just an everlasting thing that you're just in there and you're not sinking. Of course, you're not sinking, but you're just trying to flow, you know, and navigate yourself. And then you're like, where is my time, you know? And like, what have I achieved in this time? And then if you look back and if I make like a calendar and I say, okay, I did this and that and that, I'm like, damn, I've done a lot of progress. But when you're just thinking through like what you've done in a day, you're like, okay, what have I done? Like, oh my God, I'm here seven months and I did nothing, you know. And it's what they say that like our days are endless and like in our, uh, sorry, that the time in our day is endless, but our days are limited. Like we, we realize that well, one day we're like, oh, I'm bored or this was too, too much time. And then when we think of our lifespan, we're like, oh, there's not too much time. I don't have enough time, you know. So perception of time for sure changes. It's so interesting because I'll have days where like I'm up at, I was up at 5.30 this morning and I, I do, I'm more productive when I wake up early and, you know, it's now for me like probably like two o'clock or something and like, you know, I, I was, I was playing guitar today and like, I had to shovel outside, but I was, and I was working on like some editing and like, 
it still feels like I didn't get anything done. Not that I didn't get anything done, but I feel like I could have got more done where it's like, yeah, this perception of time. Whereas like when I'm traveling and like, even if I woke up at 10 and like all this new information is, is in my brain, it makes it the day feel longer. And it's, I love that. And that's why it's so important to break from routine or else that's why people do say they're like, Oh yeah, life life's fast, like life goes by fast and like or life's short, that's what people say, life's short. Um, which in one sense it can be, but yeah, it's the once you can understand like time does time even exist? Like if there isn't an occurrence of events, like if you just sat like oh my god, that's like have you heard of uh Vipassana? What? There's a, a a meditation retreat called Vipassana with a V. Ah, oh, yeah, I know. But it's like yoga stuff. Yeah. Like, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a few friends who've done it. And it's 10 days, I believe. And they basically, they pretty much just meditate and eat a couple meals a day. And then meditate for the rest of the day. And then they can go on some walks and stuff. But for 10 days straight... And like, I can only imagine what time is like in that situation where you're like, where you're like, wow, this day is taking forever or, or, or you're judging the time you start judging the time by your meals and like the only occurrence of events that you have, maybe your showers and things like that. But yeah, this is a good philosophy talk. <laughs> yeah, but it also if you think about it like why do they say that our perception of like how years go by faster changes it's exactly as you said because we have a routine so the, the brain because it doesn't need to retrieve new information it doesn't need to do new things in order to exist in order to to work on a daily basis it's like it's not functioning well because it's like yeah okay i can do that you know on a save uh, save energy mode of course and it's going to do it like this but when you expose yourself to new things and of course you don't need to, to travel to the other side of the universe to, go, to do that you know that that's the thing also about like travelers that like sometimes i don't like the stigma about like oh yeah well you've not traveled enough or whatever i mean i know it's a bit cliche to say but like you can be a foreigner in your own city for sure you can be in whichever city you are i'm pretty sure that there is a road you've not picked, there is a museum you've never been in, there is a park you never just stay there and just read or whatever. So I'm pretty sure that you can do many things. So you don't really need to think that I need money or I need time or I need everything that I can't afford to just go there because you can you can do it. You can definitely break this habit wherever you are. I always talk about that. That's something traveling taught me yeah, yeah. is exploring my own backyard and a foreigner in your own city that's amazing i love that and how many times do you hear that people are like oh i got i hate my city or like i gotta go traveling and like it's so true what restaurants i always love trying you know trying new things it's very important for me to focus on a few things so i'm not doing too many things but just a few things but at the same time like being aware of doing new things for the brain because like you said you don't need to do that you're like you'll but it's for me personally, it's beautiful. Like when I can cook a new meal that like I've never done before in my life. Cause like growing up as a kid, you're constantly surrounded by newness. And then, you know, as you get to an adult, that 
slowly begins to you you get wrapped up in that routine world and then life does go by like that because what is your perception of time is it just the occurrence of events like what are you looking what are you looking forward to like that's important and then you get into like the happiness aspect too of like is your life just based on these going to work coming home and like surviving or like what are you or do you have a goal and stuff so yeah also as you said like it's it's also what you're waiting for you know like your perception changes with whether you're waiting for something or you're afraid of something happening so when you're waiting for something it can function both ways it can function as a stimulus to be like okay i gotta be on the go because i have this and i'm i'm really excited or it can be like okay i hate mine now so much just because i'm waiting for the next thing to come you know and uh yeah like or or we're too afraid of something happening and then we're just relieving it on our minds all the time until it happens you know i mean it's gonna happen eventually <laughs> something so then we're building it up on our own minds you know so so then you realize that we are really our own our masters of our own faith and i think i do think i mean i hope and if 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 uh, if i turn to be uh not um uh true with that then it means that i have missed my life's purpose but i believe that we can rewire our brains i do believe that i believe that like when you put whatever you put inside like your body your brain everything so i said pressure inside your brain, to like the food you're gonna put in your body to like how are you gonna nourish like your skin to if you expose yourself to the sun like everything builds to who you are and you can rewire your organism and you can like make all these things all this oh i need to be in the routine or all these bad thoughts or things that just don't work for you because maybe for somebody a routine works you know like who am i to judge you know that's perfectly fine whatever works for anybody but i do believe that we can rewire it and uh, it takes time it takes effort it takes persistence but we can rewire it and traveling definitely helps you rewire and set your priorities straight again yeah i love that rewiring your organism it's true and it just takes persistence and you 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 really you might as well go after what you want and stick with it because i always say life is such a mystery and like you're we're all up in here thinking about the future and like you know if you're single like I, I, being going from being in a like three-year relationship to being single and then like constantly not constantly but like i find it if funny and like intriguing that like i don't know who i'm gonna end up with like uh, maybe i haven't met the person yet maybe maybe i currently know them and i just have to wait for things to um come into harmony and it's life is such a mystery that you know you i like what you said you're like maybe i miss my life purpose like that's like crucial too it's like you know is it, the time is now and it's always now to just be persistent and and put things in motion i like to do that like that's what i'm starting to realize is i'm never really worried about the future as long as i'm putting my passions in motion and and pulling in new things and see and and, this, and you have to see yourself grow that's important too because if you have no progress then you're you're just going to be on a line the whole way and you're it's going to be monotonous but 
if you can see yourself grow and you're constantly putting things in motion, then I feel like everything will just come into place eventually. And with hard work. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I, I so much believe this thing, you know, like, I, I mean, you know, like progress. Progress is not something that you should see in like how society sees it in a specific time frame. For instance, I should have done, I don't know, like my master's uh, by the age of 25 and therefore I can claim myself to be successful or have children by the age, blah, blah. Like your, because your growth and your personal path is something that it's not, it's not straight. You know, I remember like my psychologist was telling me that like, don't think that like recovering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like just a straight line and then bam, I'm, I'm doing good, you know, but no, of course not. Of course it doesn't function like this. There's going to be days it's going to be harder days that you may have no progress at all, you know, and then you just move like really rapidly. So like we shouldn't judge our time frame and our time path with what society tells us or like with what we see other people doing like for instance like you're my friend and i see you doing other things and i'm like yeah okay but look what jeff is doing no because jeff has another purpose jeff has other things in his mind you know and then maybe at some point with jeff we can be like working together you know like we can work parallelly you know but still being a different element in our own time life path and this is amazing because I, I don't remember this, but I did like millions of years ago. I see millions of years ago because I don't understand time. So because I'm a like, student and it was saying that like you can never judge somebody's life until the last editing, the last montage, because life is a movie. Okay, because you said motion and I'm a filmmaker, so it's a movie. So uh, you cannot judge like, somebody's life until the last frame, like until the last thing, you know, until the, the end titles. And I do believe that, like, you cannot judge in which point was I in my in my life path until what moment. Like, it's not like we move into boxes, you know, like, oh, okay, now I'm here, now I find somebody, now I start something new. Like, everything is, is spiral, you know, everything is spiral. So you can really know nothing other than that you grow and that you should grow in a way that you want to grow and you want to see yourself in. And I was reading this amazing um philosophical stuff that if you want to reach a situation so let's say for yourself you want to be happy okay and you say okay what's the steps to, to make me be happy no you shouldn't start from that you should start from accepting the fact that you're already happy and acting like a happy man so the same with success the same with whatever you act like you're already there and that this i find very inspiring because it it, it, re it reduces all the stress because you're already there you know, and so in, in the mind, it plays this trick that, oh, yeah, I'm already here. OK, so it's not, nothing really too hard for me. Right. But still, you do something that it's really simple that would make you go in the place you want to be. And that's amazing. Yeah, don't judge my life on the chapter that you walked in on. Yeah. And I, I did this Tony Robbins meditation the other day. And it's called priming and he puts you through a meditation that helps you visualize yourself already completing your goals and ambitions and actually being there, what it feels like and trying to actually transport you there. And I like that. Like I've even written a letter to myself from future Jeff saying, congratulations on doing all these great things. And I used to joke like, I would say somebody, you know, somebody asks you, oh, what do you do? And I'd just be like, oh, I'm a musician where like I am. I mean, I'm, I'm 
that's the goal is to be become a musician, whatever that means. And I'm still practicing and I've only been playing guitar for three years, but I always felt like if you, if you just start saying those things, like it'll make you more confident and make you believe. And it's so true. It's something so simple too. Like you don't need this and that to be happy. I always used to think like, yeah, when I get my partner, I will be more happy, which, yeah. which I will, but it's like a bonus. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, I know, I know. it's like, that's, that's obviously important. I want to share my life with somebody or, or more people. And because I do believe like that two people can become quite har harmonious if that's the right word, har harmonious, if that's a word. And yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> and, but what was I going to say? Oh, but I remember reading Jared, Jared Leto, you know him? Uh -huh. Yeah, he, sure. He's really inspiring. He's like an actor. He's, he's like still, he's like putting out albums still. And like, just seems like a really cool guy. And I remember like looking up his bio as like, is this guy married? And like, I didn't even realize he was like 48 or something. And like, I couldn't yeah, find any, I couldn't find any information on him, like being married. And I was just, I was in shock. And after I read that, I was like, okay, you know, maybe in my judgment is maybe like, okay, hey, like take a break from the music and like settle down with someone who you want to share your life with. But you know, he's on his own path and like, clearly I'm sure he's pretty happy. Like, and he's, and he's not conceited. He's just happy with, you know, inspiring people and doing what he loves and following his dreams. And I'm sure eventually like everything will come into place for him also, but. Yeah, but you, you, you can't just do that. You can't just say, I stopped that in order to achieve that. I, I, I do this all the time in my, in, with myself, but it's not how things function. It's not how life is. You, you, actually, you never stop anything. As you said, with motion, everything everything moves. Even if you say, no, like you can't say I stop something in order to achieve something else. I mean, you can say I reevaluate how much time I spend here and there, what my priorities are, but you can't completely stop something. If you just say now that, okay, let's say for instance, you you made this uh, this thing before you said like, okay, to stop my music, pursuit of music, and just seek for a partner. Then this, okay, we said, we talked before about identity, okay? So if you present yourself as a musician and if you consider yourself as a musician, so this has to do then with you and then to whoever you present yourself to, then this means that you, if you stop playing music, okay, so then this means that what will you say? I am a musician on pause? No, like I used to be a musician or I am, but now I am taking break or whatever. The thing is that the moment you stop doing this, you're removing one part of your identity. And then the person who will get to know you at this period of time, let's say that you find this partner or whatever, then this person knows you in a specific time frame, you know, and then doing your, okay, so you divide your, I don't know, your days like this, your energy like that. And then when you, once you want to start up again, this person will be like, okay, so now I'm introduced to this new side of you. It's then it, it's big because for you, it's going to be big. You know, it's not just two cups four, which then you're gonna like just let go like after a month or so. So you're letting your like partner or whatever just ignorant of one side that is really big for you, but this is not how it functions. 
to it shouldn't be like this. I, I, I think. I mean, like, I guess for me in cinema, you know, like the first thing I say to somebody is like, I love cinema. Because I do know that if somebody doesn't love cinema, then I'm really sorry I cannot be with you. Like, even even as a friend, like, if you don't understand the magic of movies, damn, I, I cannot speak the same language with you. <laughs> it's true. And, like, I, I find a lot of people stop pursuing what they love. And I'm not saying that you have to, like, put every inch of your energy into what you love especially if you like have kids and stuff, but don't give it up entirely and, and don't put it as a, a low priority, have it as like a medium priority or something. And I mean, when you have kids, like maybe I don't have kids, maybe like, obviously that's your highest priority, but you know, life is always about balance. So maybe, maybe life with kids, you have to live a little bit unbalanced, but really take advantage of the time when you do have to pursue, you know, your passions, even when you do have kids and, and your passion with your partner too. Like don't, don't neglect that identity, identity also. Yeah, because I think that one of the reasons to fall in love with somebody is if you see them being passionate with something, whatever that is, even if you understand it, if not, but like this energy that drives people when they're passionate about something and this doesn't even concern you, but you see them like playing music or reading something or talking about something, you see this sparkle in their eyes, you know, like this thing, it makes them lovable, you know, and if you don't have this, then it's like you have a, I don't know, a, a shallow person. Yeah, for sure. Like even when, when I write songs on the guitar and it's always like, oh, should I share this with people? Like I, it makes me so happy to play it by myself. Like I'll just sit there and I'll just play it. And I'm like, you know, I don't think it's like an ego thing where it's like, oh, I'm, I can't believe I wrote a song. It's just, it genuinely like makes me happy. And I'm just what I'm saying in the song, I wrote the words and they're so personal. Like, obviously it's whether it's about me or, or somebody I know and, or something. And that's important too. And it's, and it's, it's so admirable and, and intriguing to see that in other people, like you said, when I see you and how into making movies and like how upset, like you love movies and you, I think I always looked at it this way too. Like, the diver, the the deeper you dive into your passion, the more appreciative and like the more beauty that can come of it. And you know, the more it's not just about watching more movies; it's about understanding the art of the movie, how they make the movie, understanding the authors. And I always try and give that advice. If you really love something, like sure, if you want to be the best hockey player, keep playing hockey that's one of the best ways to get better is just to actually play it, but don't neglect like studying the great people. How did they get good? Who was it teaching them? What do they do outside of the arena and things like that? And it just makes your passion more beautiful and makes you understand the identity sense more. But you know, this is not just for filmmakers. I mean, I was I was reading like the 10 tips to become a better filmmaker, which I know is like shitty stuff. And it's like, you know, like, okay, let's, let's read that. And it said like, okay, of course, as you said, like watch movies from people like big 
big names, whatever that is, and, and that, and like even like the B movies, whatever, small ones, small productions, really silly ones, even this you can understand the mistakes and then see uh, what they come out with, uh, the message and whatever. But then it said, the second is like study film and then make films, okay, this is understandable. And then it said travel, because it changes your perception of, of time and space, and then you see how other communities function and how other people like express their emotions. So this is why I think that like most of the Western people have a problem with like understanding when there was like a Japanese film, because we don't understand how they express their emotions and because they don't really touch each other or look at each other in the eyes, even if they're couples, and you see like this distance, and we don't understand these things, so we don't get very emotional with that, you know, we cannot get attached. So we miss a part of the message. And then it said, it continued with the list, it's like read philosophy, because then you can understand the concepts of life. And even if you don't put this philosophy into your film directly, still you're gonna have this knowledge and this is gonna drive you like into making your movie. And then it said uh, like an, uh, and other times of stuff. But I realized that it's, it's, for, it's for musicians the same thing. that. The more things you know, the more places you've seen, the more tunes you've listened to, the more you have familiarized yourself with native instruments, you're from Africa or Asia or Iraq or all these countries, then all these things, even if you will never play this kind of music, but these elements will go inside your mind and then it will transform in the music you produce. But you should share your music, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I guess I just meant, I guess I just meant when when i'm at a campfire or something like sure i'd like to I, I i love to make an album and but yeah like when you're at a campfire and you're like hey i wrote this song and like because people people don't do that i don't think like people who, who write their own songs they like don't just like unless someone asks them they're like play us a song like they won't just come out and be like oh hey everyone i want you to hear this song i wrote tell me what you think <laughs> and everyone of course is going to be like oh great song like we love it and like no one's generally generally going to tell you like oh like i thought maybe uh you could work on this part or whatever but everyone doesn't want to hurt your feelings or anything but <laughs> i like what you said with understanding other cultures and and just life in general like there's so much information with earth and it's Oh, it can be overwhelming and you see people like who live their entire life and like like your parents for instance i didn't get to mention this but and i never thought about that but especially i'm always talking about fear and like conquering fears but like for your parents who didn't speak the best english like that is a real fear and especially maybe in their generation to you know and when you didn't have the internet back in the day like it, it is a, it can be a scary where you're just basing it on like what you hear and what the outside world is like and so for them not not being able to be as open-minded as we have the opportunity to be and there's a lot of people like friends i have who will probably live their lives quite simply and kurt cobain had a quote that he said that he was so envious of people who could live such a peaceful and happy life in in a very routine way and and being ignorant not 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 necessarily in a bad way but yeah. just living their life the way they want to live it and not exposing themselves to you know the this complex universe that drives some people crazy right like you said losing my mind is one of your fears like whatever that related to but it's 
it can be overwhelming at times where like we can be so smart i have so much information but then it's just like your head's like wow what do i say in this situation <laughs> like there's so many there's so many um variables and or so many possibilities and my friend told me this when i was in the states in new jersey she was from philadelphia and she said options cause stress options can cause stress and i love that God. I, I was like oh my god it's so true <laughs> Yeah, I know. it's so true because it's oh my god it's the abundance of options and then and then the inability to to set like what we want you know based on these options because like you could go i, I remember i remember this was somebody told me this expression somebody was older and he told me when i was 15 he was like he told me you now live in a river so a river has a flow so you have to move with this flow like it drags you down so you're in high school and in any case you like finish high school i mean most of the people will just pursue finishing their high school at least and then he said you're going to go to the sea you know and then you can go like i don't know to uh, to do your bachelor or like travel or get a job or get married or whatever and then you're going to dive inside the ocean you know at some point with all these possibilities don't get stressed <laughs> don't get panicked and i was like he was so right actually he was so right and for me like when you think through like all these options and what thing is like what whatever possibility can lead you to and what you eliminate with the decision you're making so i decide to pursue movies so this means that i i decide not to pursue anything else almost for so, now for now for now yeah but like it's well it's been the biggest part of my i mean this decision is driving me to places it drove me here it drove me to slovenia it drove me to bulgaria it drove me to Albania. so like it could have been anything else but still this is the linking Thing. And then you're like, if I fail like in this thing, or if I pursue it, and then I reach a point where I'm no longer satisfied with it, and I'm like, okay, I pursued it. There was nothing there. Okay, that that didn't feel quite nice. Then it's like, what what happened with all the other possibilities that I left? And there comes the thing of time. Now this is when time becomes important because you cannot redo anything. I was, you know, Casey Neistat, like the YouTuber. I love the guy for sure for, for everything he's doing. And he was saying the other time that like you. We treat time as if it's such a, um, a renewable source, but it's not. We don't get more of what we have, and we can never get back of time. This we should really think when we make a decision without being stressed. I don't know how we'll manage that, but <laughs> whatever. And I, I think it's super important, like you said, to identify yourself as best as you can in order to eliminate options and pursue what you align with and i always like to think about if you look at people who are successful or followed their passions obviously they figured out what was close enough to their heart to pursue it and to become successful for it and successful could mean different things but it's so important to like you look at I always look at people like musicians like someone who's like a famous drummer like Travis Barker like why did the the that in specific instrument align with his his sense of identity and like good thing he stuck with that and just like you know I love lots of instruments like the drums are great but for me personally on a more uh psychological level I guess like drums not that they're not complex, but I feel like with the guitar, there's more sounds you can get. 
with or more more options and again i don't know a lot about drumming but i know that it is like it's almost like a a foundation foundational instrument whereas like a guitar could add more color and and basically i relate it relate that to my own life where like i am i am this person in life who loves trying new things and i just think that's something i'll i will do for the rest of my life and at one point in my life i said yes to everything and it brought so much to my life and i learned the value of saying no and starting to eliminate some of those things which is like i love playing volleyball it's great but like right now like i can't spend my time playing volleyball like i need to focus on my music and stuff so i always find that fascinating like really learning who you are and what makes you tick so that you can pursue what you love and and i wanted to say the failing failing thing like yeah what if you do spend all this time with the movies and stuff and you don't get the end result that you hope for which could very much be reality but you don't know you could also look at it at the opposite spectrum where like what if you do get what you hope for but it really wasn't as satisfying as you had hoped and like it's like when you win the gold medal like that's your dream but after you win it then you're like well now what and it was amazing short-term gratification right and but so i'm saying lots of people lots of people also who make movies and books they they fail with their first books it's all perspective art is all perspective anyway and so it's just a matter of as long i think it's just a matter as long as it makes you happy and and close people around you happy and if it can make if your goal is to make it something where the entire world on a national level or world level of like seeing your movie for instance or your show then that's almost like a bonus it's like because personally i believe as much as someone pursues something something and like just the way the world works i feel like there's different ideas of success and levels and because I will watch your show no matter what, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> thank you. Well, I, I wanted to say that, as you said, like, why? Okay, what is success? Like, at the end of the day, what is success? How many books you sold? How many shows you booked? What? How happy were you the night where you closed your eyes after that event? You know, like, this is this is a madness. Like, and we should never judge anything like this. I was watching this about Van Gogh, you know, that he only sold one painting during his lifetime, you know, and he had to borrow his brother's money in order to just have painting materials, you know, and you're like, what the fuck? Are are we even serious? And then, of course, you can't have people, like, always, like, judge you and then just say that, like, okay, I just put it out there and whatever it's going to be. But, I mean, of course, you want to reach people. That's the thing. The, the basic concept of art is you want to reach people. You want to some, you want you have something that you want to communicate it. And of course, the most people you're gonna find to communicate, the most successful it is. At least for me, this is the most humble way I've come, and this is a serene ways uh, to, to say, sincere way, sorry, to say that like art for me, this this is the success of art. But then, even if it reaches one person, though, even if it reaches one, and it's important enough to change this other person's life, then 
do you like do you evaluate what you've done just because it was one person you know or you made a movie to entertain many but they it gave no deeper level in their lives so then why, why did you even do it in the first place so for me the basic concept is like if i if i can have somebody feel less feel less alone with my movies because they're like damn there is a there's a person out there, I don't know their name, I don't know who they are, I don't know what they do, but it's a person there and he's, she's, maybe they don't even know that I'm a woman, they don't, they don't know anything. He, she is like me and I feel better with that thing, you know. This is already success. And as you said before, uh, I have this comment because you said you don't know like why you don't like drums uh, whilst you like uh, guitar so much. I believe that as you said, I mean, I don't know anything about music, but if you classify and you say that like, drums is the foundation and then uh, guitar is the color and then you said you want to pursue new things this means you opt for something other than the foundation so this is why guitar suits you best so there is an answer to why you're doing guitar you know you love it so much for sure and i feel like there's always an answer to why you like something and you just have to dig deep enough to understand it and i was going to say though with the movies back to what you're talking about other cultures like if you're making a piece of art and you want to reach a world level how do you do that there's too many factors to reach a world level with just one piece of art because different cultures are going to view it in different ways so it's a matter of doing new things like i was playing chess the other the other day with my friend and i always i i subconsciously probably always end up like doing the same things while I play. I don't study chess or anything. I just play naturally. And I and I started noticing though that I'm I'm ending up in the same situations. And so the next time I played, I just said I'm going to move this guy. I never move this guy and I'm going to move Umbrea <laughs> and like, you know, like sometimes I lost that guy, but it totally changed and I saw it totally changed the the type of game we were playing and I saw him like he was kind of on shaken because and that's the you know you're you're gonna make one show and you're gonna put your energy into it and then like you want to try something different like musicians do that all the time and like to try and reach a different group of people maybe and you know my music like i love my music and it might not necessarily like really hit the spot for someone in an african culture or something but if you can appreciate the simplicity of beauty and the beauty in all things, then you should be able to appreciate everything in life. Always. That's the because, mindfulness attitude. Yeah, it's true. And, and it's, you know, it has to do with what, what subjects you're speaking about. Like if you're talking about universal subjects, I mean, through your book, through your music, through your movie, through your poem or whatever, if it's like death, love, life, like these aspects, then I think that most people maybe they won't understand the form under which you have it or the words or like the images. But I can tell you they're gonna get the sentiment. If it's like the basic form, they're right. gonna get there sure. It's kinda like when I'm reading this Animal Farm book and like I said, I'm just starting to read more books and learning, just even learning more words in English that I that, you know, is important when you're reading books and concepts so there's so many things about that book that you know i just read the 100 page book and there's so many things that i missed because i'm i haven't learned about historical some historical things or like 
I'm, I haven't learned how to pick up on different allegories and metaphors. So like the more you read and the more you teach yourself, then reading becomes easier and more interesting. So, and I almost feel bad for reading that book. And like, it's just like watching a movie. Like how many times do you go to a theater and you watch this, you watch this be beautiful movie and maybe you talk about it for five minutes after with your friend, you're like, that was such a great movie. But all of a sudden you're like back into your routine and you don't, you don't even think about it anymore. Whereas like the more you understand movies and the more you understand everything in life, you can appreciate everything better because you're noticing the colors of the movie, how the director uses the camera angles and why they did this shot and why, why did they did this? And like, you know, we kind of, we just don't notice the subtleties. It's not about knowing the, the technique. Actually, I wanted to connect this with traveling and I, I'm going to put it also in my thesis. Uh, it's about signifier and the signified. So like, if I tell you, think of a table, okay, then you're going to think of like, whatever things come into your mind with what you've seen or what's stayed in your memory. So the signifier, like the word, makes you go in a specific like item. It's made of wood, it's round, or it's, or it's low, or it's high, or whatever. But then the thing is that the more signifiers you have, the more, uh, the more per bigger perception you have of the signified. So the more different tables you've touched, you smelled, you sat on, you've had breakfast on, the more, it's a, the bigger the variety of tables you're going to imagine is. And then the amazing thing is that the more you travel, the more you can have this whole thing. Because what is a, a table for a Chinese person, you know, or a Japanese person, they sit on the floor, you know, so it's a different table. But for them, this is the signifier of the, din the, the dining table then. So this is why it's so important to, to travel and to be able to see and experience these uh, this whole objects even. Yeah, seeing, seeing life in different ways when when you thought it when you thought you had it all figured out yeah why don't we talk about some countries now and this has been very okay. inter interesting so far <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, we went we went down this rabbit hole from like i asked you like one question about lithuania and then it was just like <laughs> it's true it's true it's which true. like okay about after London, your trip in London, where did you go next? Yeah. Which I've seen like in photos when I was young and I was like, oh my God, it's so beautiful, green and nice and pretty with rivers and stuff. But then going there, I can tell you, and I, I don't know if it was me and my psychology, but I remember crossing the borders in the middle of the night with a snowstorm above our heads. And we stopped in a cafe, like on the on the on the highway, and I cried, and I was like, "Oh my God, why am I crying?" And I felt I went home. Why I don't know. It was just my perception. I don't know. The thing is that as soon as I reached Slovenia, I was a different person, and I was like, "This is crazy. This has never happened to me before." And then I was like, "I need to find a way to come back here again." So I was so desperate. I was like, I'm going to do my master's in Slovenia. And then they only offered in Slovenian language. And I was like, fuck, I don't know the language. So I can't go there. And then I was like, nobody's going to take me for a job because who would want to take me? I don't speak the language. And uh, I remember I was in Bulgaria then. 
uh, I was filming here and I started researching all the possible opportunities. So actually here I would like to, to introduce this whole thing, like this tool for European Union citizens. So to anybody who is a European Union and uh, they can take grasp of these opportunities they should. It's this voluntary service, it's youth exchanges, it's um, summer camps, it's anything that a person can do from when they are 16 years old to when they are 30 plus, if you are like a leader in a group or something. So it covers a big span and the only thing is that you know English. So I think that it's quite fair. It doesn't have to do with the level of your um, education. It doesn't have to do with anything. And most of the stuff is free actually. So this is quite, this is quite cool for people who don't have the opportunity to travel on their own. And still they want to do something for a community. So in this sense, go on this database for like European Voluntary Service and you can just click like on the country or, or the type of work you want to do. So it's like for children or environmental or arts. And I remember I put arts in Slovenia and then I see that they are seeking for a person uh, in a media organization that they make films. And I'm like, is this a joke? You know, is this even a joke? And I remember it was summer right, that I saw it and I, I just did it right away, like wrote a motivation letter, packed my portfolio, did my stuff and, and, and press send. And after a few days, I received an email from them and I was at the beach. I was like, oh my God, it's crazy. I can be in two weeks in Slovenia. Now I need to make the, the, like the decision, you know, like to say, are you in or are you out, girl? You know, that's, that's the point. And I was like, I, I was so afraid, but I was like, I was like, if I don't do it, so this is how I take my decisions, Jeff. If, if I know that if I don't do it, I will regret it for the rest of my fucking life, then I do it. <laughs> That's the system so simple and so stupid. Like, if, if I know that when I am going to die, the moment I'm going to die, I'm going to think and I'm going to think how stupid I was, I'm going to do it just because I don't want to feel shitty that day. <laughs> I want to feel nice that day when I die. So I was like, no, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I remember... It was, it was, it was a total madness. I say yes, and I just leave my apartment in Athens. And then I tried to take a flight to go to Slovenia, but I was too afraid to take the plane. So actually, I would like to talk about this later, about phobias, about traveling, and actually how you can manage to travel. And I was feeling so shitty. I was in the borders. I was in, um, in near Kosovo, you know. I was like in the middle of nowhere. I was like alone. Everybody took the plane and I was just alone, feeling a fucking failure that I can't do nothing. How will I go in the, for one year in another country without even taking, being able to take the plane for one hour, you know? And then I was like, don't fucking give up. And I remember taking my backpack, taking my fucking ego and just going with the bus for 20 hours, you know, and I went all of Serbia, Croatia, Slovenia, and then I ended up going back again to this village because it was in the borders of Croatia. And I ended up there, you know, in Kersko with you, you know. Kersko. <laughs> the name rings first. So this was the thing, and I was for a year there, and I made films, and I traveled around, I made documentaries, I helped children. Uh, create films. Uh, I received a small paycheck. I received a, a room in an apartment, a bicycle, a telephone. So, like you can see, that it's really, it's really decent. Uh, I mean, for working five days a week, six hours a day, doing what I love, and uh, being able to. What a great decision to say yes to that and to be really immersed in a new country and with something that you're passionate about. And I 
the first thing that comes to mind is when I went traveling before my trip, I went to Europe for a hockey trip. So I got to play my, my passion was hockey. I got to play hockey in a foreign land and I love traveling. And it was like this perfect combination of the two of them, which opened up all these other doors of traveling, which I got chain of events led to the music, but yeah, it was weird. Kirschko too. Something about that place I fell in love with too. It was like that spiritual home where there that like you just could really feel at one with the nature. And it just made me feel like, yeah, I was on a different planet. I was on like my own planet and I was an equal with the nature. But that's really cool. Your uh, EVS opportunity and you must have I love that video you made and I would love to link that to this episode with the train. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> that video is yeah. that video is amazing. Like Thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> there's no talking in it and I would love to see more slate what you just talked about with the fear of like, you know, being in your head and letting the ego go and going traveling or doing whatever you're afraid of in life. And I will show that video. That's good. Yeah, sure. Sure. Of course. Show it, of course. But you know, for me, this is a thing, you know, like I never, Oh God, I don't know. Like I hate this thing when people think that in order to achieve something, you need to be in a specific way. So for example, in order to, I don't know, like to be happy, you need to do this and that or whatever. Or like, especially when in order to travel you need to be rich yeah if i was rich i would have i would have been traveling you know like this is what most people say but this is totally totally not true totally not the case i mean you can i mean of course you can travel with zero money yes it's going to be harder it's going to be more dependent on people and other resources you can dumpster dive you can hitchhike you can do all the crazy shit. you can even start asking for money in the streets you can play music and get five euros and makes you to the next town you can walk to the next town you can bike to the next town it's crazy i mean of course, I'm not saying that I've done like all the stuff, but I like I've, I've tried to be more dependent, and I realize that how important it is because then you realize you see your power even more and the power of the community even more because this is the one that motivates you. But the one the one I wanna I wanna uh, I wanna speak about now is uh, because I know it touches a lot of people because I have a lot of people saying, "Dude, Mary, look at you though." But I'm not as confident as you are, you know, because you speak English and you're, I don't know, you speak with people and you're open to people and you have courage and of course you can go anywhere. I'm like, dude, you're not born like this. You know, I didn't, I wasn't born like, okay, baby, let's go alone. You know, like it didn't happen like this. It happened gradually. And the thing is you should not avoid something you, do, you love just because you cannot do it in one way. There are so many ways in which we can do something. So I remember the period, it was five years of my life that I was not taking the plane. And five years of active traveling while I was not taking the plane. I can tell you definitely now for sure that I can recall that I had this crazy thing because I remember my father, actually, he made his first trip abroad to come to Slovenia to bring me my car. And he's like 60 years old at the time. And he's like, what the fuck? I'm in a different country. You know, he's like amazed by the fact that what he's seen on TV is actually a real thing, you know. So I even changed the perception of my father, you know, towards towards life itself, which was incredible. And then I remember that I had to go back to Greece with my cat, you know. And 
how I couldn't board on a plane and I couldn't leave the kitty alone. So what I did, I remember, I took our shared car with somebody I knew from like this school and we drove to Belgrade and, and we had no gas and then the, the, the car stopped and so we in the middle of the national street and then and then we went there and then I took a, another shared car with somebody I didn't know to, to make it to the borders with like Greece and then from there I took a train. I was 35 hours with a cat, just myself and the cat for 35 hours until I reached Athens and I can tell you I went to Italy with uh, with the car, shared car, to Hungary by train, I went to Austria all the time, with car sharing, Croatia the same, I went, I went Bulgaria, Romania, like, uh, I was uh, part of France, uh, Switzerland, uh, Prague, you can go anywhere, you know, with whatever resources you have, you don't need to board on a plane if you're doing it for ecological reasons or for whatever other reasons, you cannot, you have a phobia, you can travel in any other way, you can and you want. So we should think about all the alternatives, you know. Yeah, this is what I mean. I'm really uh, passionate about this thing because opportunities are always there. We just need to go after them, you know. I wonder doing that traveling without using the plane, because you started speaking about like the phobia of getting on an airplane and on one side, how you made it possible to do all that traveling without getting on a plane is amazing. But at the same time, I wonder if you started feeling like, hey, maybe I'm taking the wrong route here. Although although a plane is much more convenient, assuming you can afford it, although it's much more convenient, it's almost like, did you feel like doing all that traveling was taking you, like avoiding the hard hard task of getting on the airplane and at the end of it you were like hey maybe like now i really realize like do i want to live the rest of my life like this where i'm avoiding that that fear of mine or should i just get on the airplane and face this fear and that will transfer into other areas of my life that's a, an awesome question so whilst i was doing this i thought that was the weakest ever because i was not experiencing this biggest fear the airplane but if you were asking my friends, they were like, oh my God, you're going like sharing a car, hitchhiking with somebody you don't know and you're crossing borders, you could be dead. So you're going such a hard way, girl, you're so, you know, you're, you're the man, you know? <laughs> and, and I realized that like everybody sees me so courageous. And for me, the, the exact thing that was translated as courage, as courage from the others was for me, total inability to control myself. And it, it was for years like this, and I was thinking, okay, don't stress over it too much, don't stress over it too much. And um, how I overcome it is like, I was one year in Slovenia, and I was really trying to take the plane again. Because the other time, I just, I remember, like, and this, you can really tell the failure, like, if we want to use words as failure or success. I was boarding the plane, and I left, and then they were calling me from the microphones because I was running back and they thought I was I was in uh, Skopje and they thought that I was a terrorist and then they needed to open my bags because my bag has boarded because it was like going down and they thought that I had a bomb or something then I did and you know it was crazy because nobody spoke English and I was alone I was drunk I was 
crazy and, and my friends already took the plane and left, you know, and there was a guy I fancied and he took the plane and I was like, I'll never see this guy again because he's going to be like, who's this girl who doesn't board on a plane, you know, and actually I never saw him after that, which might be a sign, <laughs> but like it was crazy and I was, I remember I was in the police in the airport, I'm telling you, this I'm going to make a movie, I'm going to make a comedy out of it, and I was in the police and I remember because what the thing was, because, oh my God, it's crazy, I had a knife with me also because I didn't know I had it on my back and then I tried to board the plane and then I, it's been so many years since I last boarded on a plane that I didn't remember the rules and I had even a, you know like a weapon with me or whatever and then I don't board the plane and then they go back and then I start crying because I'm panicked and I ask if somebody speaks English but none of them speaks English because what the fuck it's an airport nobody should speak English and nobody spoke Greek or whatever and I was like okay I'm in the middle of nowhere and they were saying terrorista terrorista you know and I was like oh my god no I'm not a terrorist and then I didn't know what to say I was like I'm sorry I had a panic attack and and we're trying to understand that there was one woman who grasped some English and she said, Panika, Panika? And I was like, Panika, Panika, you know, and I was just nodding and trying to explain and crying, you know, and all this thing. And, and, and I was like, I'm never going to the airport ever again after this big failure, like ever, ever. So but the thing was like, I was thinking to myself, what are you missing out on and what's your real fear about and what's like, try to put points, like one, one, two, three, four, five steps, whatever that is. And then I try to envision myself going on a plane and enjoying my ride, you know, because replacing uh, an experience, a negative experience with something positive makes you actually say, reform the idea you have on your mind, as we said before. See, the impressions are the ones that shape the idea. So if I could, in my mind, virtually uh, replace the bad with the good, then I would have a good airplane experience. But this, this didn't function, and what functioned was two aspects. And I would also, I also think this is really relevant, even if it's personal. I think it's really relevant for everybody. The one was watching Casey Neistat videos, and why was this relevant? Because Casey Neistat is traveling a lot with planes and stuff, and he always has nice experiences on the plane. So every time he's like a baby, he's just going up there. He's like, oh my God, look, look, and he's like capturing the moment of the takeoff, which for me was the worst moment. And he was capturing most beautifully the moment I was most afraid of. So he changed my perspective of negative to positive. And he's a filmmaker. So, you know, my trust in films is still very strong. And then the, the second factor that made me board on a plane again was my necessity to leave Greece. It was in a moment where, um, so I was in Slovenia, I did this one year and then I applied to come here to Lithuania where I am, but then some things happened with my health and stuff didn't work as planned and then I had to spend some months in Greece, which I hated, and I was in a very depressive situation and moment of my life and then I recall it was my, my friend actually, Therese, and I met her in Slovenia and uh, she was from Austria. And she knew that I was really struggling with my mental health. And she's like, girl, you're not going to stay there. I'm going to buy you a ticket and you're coming with me tomorrow to Amsterdam. I'm like, what? Where? Tomorrow? What? I'm not getting on a plane. You know, and she's like, no, no, I'm taking you. And I remember, Jeff, I will never forget that day. We were speaking on the telephone at night. I didn't even have the money. She bought the tickets for me because anyway, she had a ticket from Austria to Amsterdam. And she just changed the name, to my name. But then we had to find a way for me to go to Austria before the air, the flight would take off from Austria. So we realized that the only way to do it is to go through Istanbul. So I flew like five o'clock in the morning from Athens to Istanbul and then had another flight. And this thing just made me be so confident. 
That's an amazing story. That's yeah. an amazing story. <laughs> yeah, this is the kind of stuff like we we were in like our philosophy chapter and then like that's cool that you like talking about the fear stuff because that resonated with me with the story about the air being on the airplane and seeing Casey take a different perspective of it and I love the quote some people's biggest fears are other people's biggest passions and you have people like who are terrified of tarantulas and then there's probably a guy who like has a zoo of tarantulas in his room and that's just his thing he's like i don't know there's something so beautiful about the way they crawl or whatever right and that's amazing i'm so happy that it went well and like you were able to really get out of that mindset and i like what you said too like really replacing those thoughts of like well what instead of what might might instead of what bad might happen like think about what good might happen and and actually visualize that so that's amazing what a story because the last episode i did the girl was talking about a spiritual home and like whether it's like the the land or the people also right like and you said you drove you drove into slovenia in the middle and it was the winter time you said and like did you start crying because it, it was beautiful or you were frustrated or you didn't know it was it was it was too it it was it was too real it was too real it was too much life it was too much life in one moment it was fear anticipation anxiety uh fear of the new uh, excitement for the new and just knowing that i made it you know and the beauty of this country the connection with this country and everything it was amazing and actually i remember on this trip it was i, I went i was with my ex-boyfriend and uh, the, the best friend at the time and i had a huge fight with my ex-boyfriend and with my friend and i just realized this is when i realized that i don't need anybody actually because i realized that i was the only one who was taking care of all the trip and that they this, I don't know, like he was driving and sleeping and getting drunk. And I was like, I, I don't need this shit. I don't need this shit. I was traveling on my own because I was thinking I want to do the things my way. I want or have scheduled to go in a place, but then I didn't like, then I will go from there and I'll do something else because this, that's what that's what feels right, you know. But when you're with somebody else, you have to say, okay, how do you feel? And if you're excited, then of course you need to share and say okay we'll stay a bit more blah 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 which is perfect also but i think that everybody should should like experience both like going alone and being with others it's it's it's, it's important did you notice the nature even in the winter yeah I remember the compliment you made when you when you were at home and uh, you were seeing from the window you were watching at the hills and uh, you were saying, "Wow, it looks like Canada." And I was like, "Damn, that's the, the best thing you could actually say to us because uh, Canada is really beautiful and with everything." And you could you could smell it, you know, like even if it was winter, even if the snow was like really packed, it was it was beautiful. It was everything was amazing. And I remember we were driving 10, 12 hours again, you know, every day it was like this. And I remember sleeping and 
I woke up at four o'clock in the morning and this is where I think it's, it was spiritual because I wake up and I'm not tired at all and I just look from the window and I'll never forget like the red lights going through the rail tracks and then the snow falling, you know, and then seeing the pine trees or whatever that was, I don't know. And it was amazing. It was amazing. So I think that, yeah, I think, of course, the place holds some kind of uh, feeling on its own. It's the people, it's the place, it's the moment in which you're in. It's also, I think, if you're ready for this place. You know what I mean? Sometimes you, you do, you're not ready for something. You, you think you are, but you're not ready for it. It's, it's much tougher than you are, you know, at this moment. Then then you revisit, and then you can see it. Yeah, you can think of that in a lot of ways. When will I be ready? Like, time, but... Yeah, you have to, you have to really put in, you know, put in the effort to be open-minded and find out who you really are to appreciate everything, like I said. And you know how much I love Sylvania is, like I said, even Krishko, like to do a circle around and come back for a second time to that area. I can't believe I went there twice, went to the same place twice. I can't believe you came twice. I cannot. (laughs) believe that it was crazy it was crazy because see how we say that we measure the time with the recurrence of events for me the fact that you i was in a place where i knew nobody right i went there and i knew nobody and and you also you were traveling into places i mean okay aside from like britain that you would visit some family which i thought you never even met them but anyway at least like you knew like their existence beforehand and i even remember like your email you know also this is amazing how the, the possibilities how life is possible i remember you texting me like six months before getting coming here and you were like hey i'm going to the street you'll be there and i was of course i was like yeah of course i'm gonna be but i was like damn how many possibilities are there that he's really gonna come you know but whatever <laughs> i'll just say yes you know because whatever and then like you appear and then i don't know you don't know me whatever and then we spend all this nice time together and then you come back and you are now a familiar person you're a familiar face and we are in a familiar situation with you a trip that you all you only expect to meet new people you can come back to like this safety you know and then say okay so what was the news how was it then oh yeah i was there i did that blah blah you know and i was like wow that's amazing it's like a friend's coming back you know from a trip it's like this is my home and actually this is when i felt the most home I, I just remembered, yeah, one of the main reasons why I came back is because the moment hit me, I guess that was like right about halfway through my travel where it was sort of like the tipping point of like I had passed halfway because I had planned about three. I, I must have like bought my plane ticket back at that point and I realized I'd seen so much and met so many people that like I realized the quality over quantity factor and i really enjoyed the environment and the people like you and your friends and i wanted to really immerse myself a little bit better and it was funny and because we uh we uh we could have spent more time together too there was a lot there was there's a few different options of like all these nature hikes right and uh and everyone and then at times like wanted to do a few different things like those the girls were like oh we're going to croatia tomorrow and then like that was another one of those decisions where those two or three girls were like we're going to croatia for the day we'll probably spend the night 
And then the other girls were like, oh, we're going to see this band. And like, who knows what the band's going to be like. And like, it was a tough decision, but I'm really happy with the one I made. And I felt like going to Croatia, like they were going to just drink a lot and go dancing, which I'm sure would have been fun, but it was kind of not me. I was more, I like dancing, but I was more interested in like the music and like, and Kershko, that's why I came back, right? Like, why would I leave? I stayed there instead of going to a new country. Like, I find that so wild. That's crazy. Yeah. And, <laughs> but same thing. Like, I, I remember coming back and I came into the house and it was very familiar. And they were like, oh, he's back. There he is again. And, and I knew everybody. And it was like this really good feeling. And like, we could, it was like I never left. It was cool. But it's, you know, it's the thing also that, like, we think that we should be in a specific mindset if we are to travel. So we say, for instance, okay, now I really am, like, I have a lot of energy. I really want to do outdoors activities, or I really am into meeting new people, or really am into, like, uh, arranging things on my own. But, of course, when you, like, make it a more long-term trip, you cannot expect that you have the same levels every day. So, and... For instance, like in your case, that you couldn't go back, you know, you're not like next door. You're going to say, okay, now I feel a bit more closed. I will just go back to Toronto or whatever, and then it's going to come back. And uh, perfect. Yeah, that's going to be my life. But then you're like, okay, let's let's see now the reality. And then I have some options. And, you you know, you know you're like like an animal, as I said before. Like, you, you know when you have the energy to go out and fight and explore and see new things. But you know, you can tell from yourself, from your body. Like, you should listen to your body. As you said, we be in balance and have been on a, in alignment with our with ourselves and say okay I need to retreat and where can I go back and then for you it was like Slovenia then or like meeting this other person again in a, in a new location you know so this familiarity can be like with a person or with a place but you, you do need that you, you can't be 24-7 like on super energy levels definitely listen to your body and balance your energy your body knows as long as you're taking care of your body, then you'll have an equal amount of energy expended and, and rested because I, I, I noticed that my, in myself, like when I'm practicing guitar and it's so important, like as much as I want to just keep practicing, it's so important to just go for a walk, get some fresh air and, or meditate or do a yoga class and, Otherwise, like, otherwise you get stressed and you lose your energy and then you'll have a crappy day the next day because you're really out of whack. And then like eventually and it takes a little bit of time to come back. But if you can kind of like play with it a little bit where, you know, you work really hard where your energy is kind of going up here, but carefully bring it back. And it's like this wobbling line of balanced energy. Yeah, good talks. Good talks. It's so nice. <laughs> People, you know, that make the place. Like, I really doubt if I would go back to Kursko. I mean, maybe I would go by, like, showing it to a new person. I think, like, you know, like, maybe, like, I don't know, in the future with somebody travel and go by Kursko. I would like to say, yeah, this is where that happened. This is where that happened. But it would mean nothing. It would just be a story for somebody. And for somebody else, it would be a memory. And also, when I told you that, when I wrote on the paper that I'm really afraid of losing my mind, this is something very, um, that very much has to do with options and with people. Because 
as we said before, we form our identity based on time and place. But also, when the time goes by and we have a specific time in our lives, well, looking back, what you see, you have your memory. So like, it can be like in a, I don't know, a film, it can be photos or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm the person who doesn't really have a lot of photos. I don't really like to take photos in the moment because... A, I don't want to destroy the moment by stopping it, pausing it to make a photo, and B, I don't want to remember things like as they were exactly because my mind, you know, like memory fades and it recreates events and stuff. So some things are much more beautiful in my mind, and I don't want to go back to the reality of a photo to tell me what was what. But then the thing is that when you're alone and you make struggles, so like for me, for instance, like I, I met you in Slovenia, certainly in Slovenia. You've never been in Lithuania. You've never been in Greece. So like you miss many important parts of my life. And the thing is that sometimes you're really like thinking like who was with me at the time, you know, like who can I stare, share this story with? And like when I told you before about Sarah getting married, remember what I told, I told you? Damn, I can share the news with you because you know her. Because for some people, I need to say this event. I was like, yeah, I, my ex-roommate. But for you, it's Sara. It's a person who has a name and she has some attribute to her, you know. And this is incredible because if everything you hear from a person is a story and you've never seen any of that thing, it's very, it's even half of what it was in the, in the reality. And also what connects you with the people, it's sharing these moments. So knowing that I share something with you makes me more connected with you and that's how it, how it goes, you know. That is one of the benefits and negatives of traveling alone is yeah you you meet all these people abroad who won't necessarily be in your circle in the future but you can still share i have so many memories but some of them i never talk about because they won't appeal to people in the way i'd like it to the only real appeal would come to the people who I share those memories with. So that's why it is great about doing these Skype podcasts and or just video chatting in general is hearing the person's voice and and talking about things that, you know, you may have forgotten or I've forgotten and that's always nice. But you were nodding your head with the photos, so this means that you're also not this kind of guy, right? With that yeah, photo yeah. Taking I, uh, it's, it's really interesting. I, I talked to my friend who he's really into photography, and he's more into like editing. He really likes editing aspect. And when he went and did Europe, he took like 25,000 photos, like just an insane amount of photos. And now I'm looking at this with an open mind, whereas my first instinct is, that's, you took too many photos. You missed out on being in the moment. But I, I looked at it with an open mind and I learned from talking to him that, you know, there's some photos that he may, he, he's never even really looked at because he's got so many of them that like it might take him till he's 50 and he'll come across a photo that maybe whether he's never seen or just completely forgot about and really bring him back to that situation so a different from what you're talking about but i can appreciate both of them because i think it is really cool to to see what you look like in the past like you actually will we transform as organisms right so 
and to who we were spending time with and what we were wearing and the the kind of term i coined was like the photos were still traveling so if you took that many travel uh, that many pictures traveling and then you look back on them like they're kind of still traveling until you explore them but yeah i'm definitely the person who avoids taking too many photos i bear i like when other people are taking photos so that i don't have to and i can be in the moment and then uh yeah but i like to try and unplug more from technology like youtube's so easy and accessible and you know we can learn something so quickly these days but it's a lot of screen time and i'd much rather like read more books and be able to be in the sensory more moment more and like kind of in the old days i really miss that where like your parents didn't have cell phones think that this is totally wrong way of using the communication and I think it's mostly attachment than love and care. Who am I to judge? Wow, it's been a great talk. I'm uh... <laughs> You put Romania second favorite country, eh? I I always encourage people to travel to Eastern Europe too or in Albania and those countries where most people go to England and stuff, right? England, Paris, Spain, but some pretty... I tell you, Romania was a baby. It's a baby. It was, it, it's, it's incredible because we were living in, uh, in this town called Russia, as I said before. And so I come from Greece, which is a mountainous country, as we all know. And um, like, I'm, I'm not a mountain person. I still love the sea and everything. And I really love rivers. And if you think about it, I was in Bulgaria with the river. Kerskov had the river. Here I have the river three minutes from my home. So I really love rivers. I'm a river girl for sure. But then I was really thinking that I really care about the mountains because I never go to the mountains, you know. I mean, like, I can climb the hill. I can go sometime, but it's not like my favorite thing or whatever. So I was thinking, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind living in a flatland, but with a river. As long as there is a river involved, I'm going to be fine. Or any source of water. And um, I remember going to Bulgaria thing. And at the beginning, it seemed so okay. Actually, you could navigate yourself much more easily. The whole town was established in a better architectural way. So you could say, like, there was this main road, and then everything was just going uh, vertical to that road. So everything was really easy. But then I, I knew I missed something, but I didn't know what. And then I remember we take the bus or whatever we took and then we go to Bucharest which I didn't even like I'm like why am I even in Bucharest but then I was with this Spanish friend uh, that I met there and he's still one of my best friends and uh, we were like come on let's go to Brasov you know and just go to the um, to the mountains and go to the Dracula castle and all that stuff because everybody loves the stories of course so we take the train and I remember it was like a hot summer's day like really warm 25 30 something and then we're on the train and at some point I see like we have sleeping and I see that, that there's like there's no uh, no sunlight and I'm like what's happening are we in a tunnel or something 
And it was not a tunnel, it was a mountain. So we were inside this whole Transylvania mountains. And I didn't realize when we got there, but they were so high and so steep that they were covering the sun and they were blocking the sun. It was going like narrower and narrower. You were feeling like you're gonna get trapped in there. And, and this is the moment I said, fuck, it's the mountains that I've missed. Even if I never, I never go there, the fact that I see them makes me like so happy. And I saw it, it was incredible. And I was speaking with another friend whom I also met in Slovenia. And um, he's like, uh, he's living in a forest area and uh, he's living kind of alone in the forest. And we were speaking about why it's important to have mountains because he also really loves mountains. And he told me that for him, it was the way he understands it. Mountains are under anarchy. This is what my friend says. Because you can really make nothing out of them. You can make a tunnel and go through them, but still the surface is so uneven that you cannot make an architecture like the whole squares and stuff. So all the lines, everything, even if you're going to make small paths, it's going to be up and down, you know, in half cycle and whatever. So. Everything is so different in a mountain, and this is what the eye misses seeing, something that is unstructured, because we are so, you know, like, bored of living in this structured environment where, you know, A and B from B to C, a straight line, and this and that, left to right. No, we need that in our vision, you know, and it's not just the level, that it's on another level, which of course makes sense, and it's like a vertical, you know, like even the, the towns or the villages are vertically, you know, but it has to do with like this whole anarchy in building, and which of course reflects the, the, the people who live there, because you, you can tell that they live in a more anarchist way. So I, once again, we prove the point that the place uh, uh, is such an important role for how you're going to be as a citizen. Well, I mentioned way earlier how, you know, maybe people from Greece, because they live by the sea, are very warm-hearted because of the warm weather. But I'm also thinking about, yeah, why is it that people who live by mountains are a little bit more open-minded um or you know you said yeah when you when you have the opportunity to look at mountains you're like okay they're beautiful because they're so much bigger than me and colorful and and they represent like strength but there's all these other subconscious things that you're not yet aware of some of us of why we're attracted to certain things and that's why i like learning is to you know why why i love the the sport of ice hockey so much and it's the same thing with the guitar how i said with the guitar like there's so many options and sounds with the guitar that's why i love all sports i grew growing up i played most sports but ice hockey appealed to me the most just because i mean in one one area it's a sport that there's so many different possibilities during the game to happen whereas in like basketball it's like there's just two hoops and like you just have to put the ball in the hoop whereas like in hockey yeah you have to put the puck in the net but there's a goalie in the net there's a guy in the net there's a guy in the net who has equipment 
there's guys trying to attack you like physically mentally and like there's so many all these factors and it represents like my personality or identity a lot too where like i said like i like being challenged in multiple ways whereas again others we don't have to get into that but that's what i i like learning that kind of stuff why you why you gravitate towards certain things especially if like you're unaware of it yet but I was going to say philosophy, like you try to prove your point, you know, it's not just like I like this because I like that, but like you try to prove it. So every time I tell you, so she, once again, we established that the place makes person. So I'm like, see, and now it's helping me so much because like I have all these arguments, you know, it's really good to have an argument because somebody asks, but why not like this? And then you, you need to explain yourself. So if you need to explain yourself, you have to retrieve this information. So you need to go back, you know, and it's crazy that it's the first time I'm doing it with somebody. Actually, it's with you, right? now because it happened that it was this whole thing of identity and traveling i don't know it's the title of our thing and like now it's really helping me to, to even put it in in an order you know in my mind and to, to 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 understand it with like events things that have happened you know and it's crazy yeah so, the, so yeah it's fucking cool thanks for that the chain of events yeah it's 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 amazing because life if you don't if you don't if you don't pay attention in life you might miss it what's that quote like if you don't wake up you might miss it <laughs> so yeah there's a lot of distractions in life and but you should really you, you know what i also learned uh what i also learned that i never talk about what? from traveling is the ability to be okay with saying goodbye to things and people because like when you're traveling, you, you, you meet so many people, but you get so good at letting go and learning how to say goodbye and, and starting over. You're constantly starting, for, for me at least, when I kept moving from place to place to place, I developed this familiarity relationships and then I had to say goodbye and then start from scratch again. Hey, I'm Jeff, this is how old I am. I'm from Canada. This is what my country's like. And like you had to just keep starting over, but you really learn to not be attached to things. You know, I, I love Switzerland too. Switzerland was stunning, but, and I wanted to spend more time there, but I was like, I got enough from it or whatever. And I think that's definitely something traveling taught me that I never really considered, but not getting attached to things. So I don't think I'm attached to too many things in my life. So, and that's important. Definitely attached to my guitar, which is a good attachment. <laughs> but. It's true, exactly. It's a good attachment. Okay. Like the, the connection is really going fast. It's a sign. It's, it's a sign. That, it's, a it's, it's a sign that we should end the call soon. <laughs> can you hear me? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So tell me your last question. I'm just gonna. Why don't you leave us with your favorite Connor O'Burst quote? Or song okay, there. now the first one. Okay, the first one that came now. Okay. I mean, I love thousands of quotes, so what, whatever. But now this this came to my mind. Uh, to love and to be loved, and let's hope that it's enough. Good, very simple, but full of passion, yeah.
Let's hope that's enough. Yeah, he's, what he's else do you good. need? He's... What else do you need? Yeah. yeah. Good. Don't forget to love. Yeah. To give love. Give love. Give love. And actually, last question, and then we'll go. You put your mom as your inspiration. Why is your mom your inspiration? I didn't get to ask you that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so remember what we're saying before that, like, for you also, like, you see, oh, no, 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 it was like, uh, it was uh, Kurt Cobain who said that, like, he envies people who were, uh, yeah, living in the same place and they have, like, this, uh, yeah, this peaceful life. And for me, mom was, like, born almost on the same road as she lives now. And if it wasn't for me, she would never, we've been together to England and Slovenia. She would have never been to those places. Um, she's a person who has the highest emotional intelligence I've seen in a person. Um, I don't know if I can brag about her uh, IQ, but I can definitely say about her emotional intelligence. And uh, she's not uh, naive at all. She's not. Um, She's, she knows exactly what's happening and she knows how to handle exactly what's happening at any given moment in time and all that she knows because she's lived it for herself uh, through many years of personal struggle and development and uh, researching herself and uh, turning out to alternatives uh, like back in the 80s where it was like really frowned upon to look at homeopathy or yoga or meditation you know or anything like that and she would go for that you know like go through her own spiritual journey even though nobody was there to support her actually they were just trying to bring her down and mock her about her decisions so uh definitely she and she has this capacity to love then it's it's a well that never finishes, you know, it's like, it's always, it's, it's amazing, it's incredible. It's a, a cat she rescued the other day, it's from supporting my father to raising two kids to anything, like, she, she goes for it, she's an angel, you know. Great answer, great answer. She knows how to give love, yeah, like most mothers. Yeah. Great mom. Great mom. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's good. And what are you gonna do? It was so fucking nice. We talked. I did, haven't realized how much I've missed you, you know, and talking with you. And now I realize. Yeah, I realize. definitely gets the gears spinning. Very creative. I admire how much you know about psychology and philosophy. And it, it intrigues me and wants, it inspires me to want to, to learn more. Thanks so much for sharing and being the storyteller. That must be a common theme with Greeks, <laughs> the storytelling, which is like ancient, right? It's like, yeah, th thanks for being here to listen to the story. Yeah. Because the storytelling would be nobody if there was nobody interested in listening to the story. That's true. And. Yeah, you just give love to get love, right? And day because your day is still going, as I guess. Mm -hmm. So, how beautiful! It was so nice to talk to you. Really, it was, it was so good. Yes, okay. for sure. Thanks, thanks for that. Likewise, and keep in touch, and uh, yeah, we'll yeah, we'll, sure. We'll, we'll talk again. All right. And there you have it, everybody. Back on the bus, please. 
time to head home. Thank you so much for listening, and hopefully we were able to add some culture and creativity to your life. Next episode, we roam the streets of Laos and Thailand in Southeast Asia with Kelsey from Canada and learn how quitting her job and traveling the world taught her how to live more in her authentic self. If these stories and energy are resonating with you, give it a follow or subscribe, and please feel welcome to leave a comment or review. You can find the audio version on Apple Podcasts or the video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jeffasaurus Rex, and remember, stay curious, vicarious.